Hello and welcome to tonight's Bible study. We are continuing our series on the book of Ruth. On Sunday we started the book of Ruth with lesson number one, focusing on Ruth chapter one verses one through five. You can find that on our channel here. It is titled New Place, Same Problems. And tonight we're going to go into Ruth chapter one verse six. Uh, just to recap those first five verses, let's start at Ruth chapter one verse one. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Verse 2, And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. Verse 3, and Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Verse 4, And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth, and they dwelt there about ten years. Verse 5, And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Verse 6, what we'll be focusing on tonight, says, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. So Ruth chapter 1 verse 6 tells us of a time while Naomi's in Moab and she hears while she's still in Moab about how God is visiting his people back in Judah and he's giving them um, bread. Tonight's Bible study is going to focus on the fact that there was somebody that told Naomi about good things that were happening in Judah that led her to leave Moab, that led her to start on her journey back home. And because of someone sharing that good news with her, she started back on the right path. So tonight, the book of Ruth, lesson number two, is going to be about evangelism. Evangelism, um, for those of you that may never have heard that word or maybe you don't know what it means the word evangelism comes from the new testament word evangelizo and that means to proclaim or share the good news of salvation through jesus christ um, in the bible it's often translated into english as preach the gospel or bring glad tidings for example in the book of matthew chapter 11 verse 5 we can find the following passage using the greek word evangelizo um, and that's Matthew 11:5. It says, "The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them." Um, in this verse, that phrase "have the gospel preached to them" is translated from the Greek verb evangelizo. So, let's get into a few points tonight about evangelism. Point number one. Jesus had compassion on people, and Jesus wanted to reach them with the good news. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Verse 36, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted, and were scattered abroad, as sheep having no shepherd. Matthew 9.37 Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray you therefore that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into his 
harvest. So Jesus is going around. He's preaching, healing the sick. Um, every disease among the people is being healed. Jesus is preaching in the synagogues and in the villages. Or he sees all these people, the crowds of people, and he has compassion on them because they fainted. They were scattered abroad like sheep with no shepherd. Then he turns to his disciples and he says, the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. The problem is not that there's not enough people to hear the word and to receive the word. The problem is there's not enough people going out to preach the word and to do the work and to share this message. So God always has a desire to save. You know, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is not willing that anybody would be lost. He wants everybody to be saved. Point number two tonight is that God calls his followers to go out and share his word and do his work. In Mark chapter 1 verse 16, Now as Jesus walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come you after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Mark chapter 1 verse 18, And straightway they forsook their nets, and they followed him. Jesus was going down the road. He sees these two brothers over on the side fishing in the water. And he tells them, come after me and I will make you to become fishers of men. He's basically making a parallel and comparing fishing for fish and fishing for men. You know, you're going out into the water. You're trying to pull them out of the water. I'm going to make you become fishers of men. You're going to go out into this world. You're going to find those that are lost. You're going to find those that are hurting. You're going to find those that need a savior. And just like you pull those fish up out of that water and into your boat, you're going to pull these lost souls out of the world and into this new church that I'm starting. Uh, Our next point tonight, going along with this, was not only did they hear the word, not only was Jesus calling them, But in verse 18 of Mark chapter 1, it says straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. Point number three is that we need to be willing to do God's work. We need to be willing. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8, the prophet Isaiah says this, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here I am, send me. Romans chapter 12 verse 1, Paul says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So Isaiah hears the voice of the Lord calling out for someone to do his work, and he says, Here I am, send me. He didn't say, Well, I know somebody else, they might be interested, let's go talk to them about it. But no, here I am, that personal responsibility to answer the call of God. And then in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul said, To present our bodies a living sacrifice. That means that every day of our life, we're giving our very best to God. It's kind of like a towel. You know, you're draining the water out of the towel. You grab both sides and you twist it up to strain all that water out. You're basically saying, God, you know, take everything that I have, everything I could possibly give you, all of my energy, all my efforts, everything I could possibly lay down. I'm going to be a living sacrifice. Romans 12 and 1. Point number four tonight is that we need to have wisdom in sharing our faith. This is an important one because if you don't have wisdom, you could run somebody off that God was dealing with, or you may have a personal dispute with somebody that doesn't matter, and then that person ends up not interested because we didn't have wisdom in our faith. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30, it says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that wins souls is wise. 
He that wins souls is wise. Don't be the person because of some personal preference or some personal idea you have that you run somebody off who's hungry for truth and hungry for God. Give people time and be patient with people because God's doing a work in their heart and God will speak to them and God will convict them. You know, we need to share the gospel with people. That is the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We need to share that with people. We need to get, you know, the new birth message out there. We need to get baptism in Jesus' name out there. We need to get the infilling and baptism of the Holy Ghost out there. We need to focus on the main key points. And if if people disagree and and run from those things, then, you know, there's no no grief on our part. But if we've gotten into something personal with somebody and that turns them away, that would be the opposite of this verse. Proverbs 1130 says, he that wins souls is wise. I could also say he that loses souls because of personal preferences is unwise. Uh, our next verse, Colossians chapter four, verse five through six, walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. So that means we need to be wise in the things we say. Don't get into personal preferences. Don't get into um, political parties. Don't get into just anything that could cause some kind of personal uh, skiff between you and someone else that would deter them from having faith and deter them from moving forward in God. We need to have wisdom. Um, there's something called a Pyrrhic victory it's P-Y-R-R-H-I-C, Pyrrhic Victory, and it's named after some commander, I believe, in the Roman uh, times. But basically, the word Pyrrhic Victory means that you win a battle, but in the process of winning that battle, you've lost so much that it wasn't even worth it. And that's how I feel about getting into many arguments with people about stuff that doesn't really matter and things that don't really pertain to the main points of God and salvation and the Bible and living for God. You can win an argument with someone, but if that person never wants anything to do with Jesus because of you and your argument, you've lost more than, you know, that argument was worth to win. So walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Be careful what we say and be, be wise. Point number five. Not everyone is going to be the same. There are different types of hearts when it comes to receiving the Word of God. This goes back to being wise. We need to understand what kind of person are we dealing with? Where are they at? What's their understanding? What's their previous understanding? What knowledge do they already have? We need to understand where everyone's at because they all have different viewpoints. And if we come in with a wrong approach, we may push somebody too far off the edge where you know there's no way to reach them. Um, so there's a few different types of people and types of hearts when it comes to receiving the Word of God. For this Bible study, we've broke them down into six groups. There's probably more. Uh, number one is the cynic. The cynic. This is someone who is negative towards spiritual matters. Someone that's possibly even hostile and not open to being influenced. This is the person that shuts the door in your face, whether that's physically or just they don't want to talk about something. The cynic not interested at all, very hostile, very negative towards the idea of God and the Word of God. Um, the next is the bystander. The second group of people is the bystander. This is someone who's not thinking about God. They're not interested in God. They're not hostile. They're just not interested. It doesn't really affect them, the bystander. Number three is the curious. This is someone who is somewhat interested in God, but they're not taking the time needed to learn and find answers. So it's an interesting idea, but they're not pursuing it in any way. Uh, the inquirer, this is number four. This is someone who is open to changing their life. 
This is someone who's actually seeking truth. This is someone in their personal time is looking for God. The inquirer, more than just being curious, they're inquiring, they're asking questions, they're seeking truth, and they're looking for God. Number five is the believer. This is someone with more than just the belief that God exists. This is someone that embraces that Jesus Christ is the only way to God and that the Bible is God's word, which leads us to number six. Number six is the disciple. This is someone who not only believes Jesus is the only way to God, but this is someone who's growing in their walk with him. They have been baptized in Jesus' name. They're filled with God's spirit. They're faithful to the Lord, and they're telling others about the good things of God. So just to recap, we have the cynic, the bystander, the curious, the inquirer, the believer, and the disciple. Why does this matter? This matters because everyone is coming from a different place. We should be patient with people. We should avoid pushing people towards a now or never decision because we want maybe this person to to get in and we're so desperate in a sense for them to do that. But really, we need to let it be between them and God because let me tell you this. If you convince somebody with your own words, your own intellect, your own argument, you convince them. Somebody else could convince them otherwise. But if God convinces them, if God deals with them, if it comes from God, there's nobody that can take that from them. That's going to stick. So just let God work, you know, because success in evangelism is not to see how many people we can win, how many numbers we can, you know, gain of, of new believers. But it's rather sharing Jesus with the lost souls, doing our very best to be a good witness and then trusting God with the results. Number six and last point tonight is that we need to show people the love of God. John chapter 13, verse 35, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. So how are people going to know? Not by the way we dress and the way we talk and the way we worship and and all these things. You know, they're good things. But he says that the way people are going to know is if we're his disciples is if we have love one to another. So if we love one another, that shows them the love of God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Hereby perceive we the love of God. This is how we come to know and understand the love of God. Because Jesus laid down his life for us on the cross, we should also lay down our lives for the brethren. The same way that Jesus sacrificed and gave his life for us, that's how we should be towards others. That shows the love of God. That's how we perceive the love of God, by someone sacrificially laying down their life for someone else. 1 John three seventeen, the next verse, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother has needs and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwells the love of God in him? So it's basically saying if you have to give to someone else to help and support and to care for them and you don't shut up your bowels, that means you just close yourself off to them. How dwells the love of God in them? Basically, you don't have very much of the love of God if you see someone in need a brother that has needs and you you reject them what you have to give. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 9 says, "But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write to you for yourselves are taught of God to love one another." So how do we learn about the love of God? It says that we are taught of God to love one another when we are in the presence of God in fellowship with him, praying and reading his word and understanding his ways. God is going to teach us Paul tells the Thessalonians, I don't need to write to you about brotherly love and loving one another because God is teaching you that. You yourselves are taught of God to love one another. So back to the book of Ruth, talking about evangelism tonight. 
Ruth chapter 1 verse 6, Then she arose with her daughter-in-laws, that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Someone in Judah told Naomi about the good things that were happening there, and after hearing their testimony, Naomi left Moab and started her journey back home. Who is it in our lives that we would be able to reach? Somebody that would believe the word of God if someone just shared it with them. God loves them. Jesus died on the cross for them. There's more to life than what they're living. And there's a God out there that will save them if they'll reach out to him.